Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Reaching more than half a million euro for the average Dublin property, that's according to the latest CSO figures. As property prices soar alongside general inflation, when can first-time buyers hope to get on the property ladder? Public servant pay comes into focus at today's Oireachtas Health Committee as HSE boss Paul Reid is questioned on his salary. That equates to 18 uh, nurses' annual salary. Do you think you're worth that colossal amount of money per year? And the effects of Storm Dudley are already being felt across the nation as the country prepares for not one, but two storms over the coming days. Get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions on hashtag TonightVMTV. More bad news today for those hoping to purchase a new home. New figures from the Central Statistics Office show house prices across the country rose by 14.4% in December, the highest annual growth in over six years. In Dublin, prices rose by 13.1%, while prices outside the capital were up by 15.4%. The border region actually saw the highest jump in prices. They increased by over 23%. Well, the statistics show that the median or midpoint price of a home purchased in the 12 months leading up to December 2021 in Dublin was €405,500. And outside the capital, it was €280,000. Well, here in studio to discuss this and more is Mary Fitzpatrick, Fianna Fáil Senator and spokesperson on housing, Ono Bryn from Sinn Féin. Uh, and and spokesperson on housing, that is Mary Fitzpatrick as well. Uh, Chief Economist with KBC Bank, Austin Hughes, also joins us. And via Skype tonight, we're joined by Kieran Mulqueen of Crazy House Prices. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Um, To come to you first, Austin Hughes, what factors do you think are currently giving rise to this property price spike? Um, That thing increases not far off Celtic Tiger price rises. Well, the current spike is caused by a shortfall in supply that goes back for the last 10 or 12 years and in the last year or two, a surge in demand because as people faced into the pandemic, some built up savings, some realised that they couldn't work, school their kids uh, and spend quality time in cramped living accommodation. So the, the search for a home has become much more important for many people. There's also the sense 
sense across the country that people are thinking about working from home. So as you say, in the border region, there's been a very significant increase. In areas that previously prices were very, very low relative to the rest of the country. So there's a cocktail of factors behind the explosion at the moment. But the reality is we're not building enough houses for the demands for, you know, a growing population that is doing well in an economy that's thriving at the moment. Um, are these problems being seen right across Europe as well, the, these similar house price rises? Are we seeing them internationally? To varying degrees. I mean, since the pandemic struck, we've seen house prices in New Zealand up nearly 40%. In the US, it's about 20%. Sweden, over 22%. Even countries where the population is falling, we're seeing sharp increases in prices in Germany, in France and Austria. So there is a general trend towards higher prices at the moment, but the problems in Ireland are probably more long-lasting and consequently there are more people impacted by, you know, the, the current imbalance between demand and supply. Ono Bryn, there is a lot of talk about those other <coughs> factors paying into it, the pent-up demand that's there, the lack of construction because of the pandemic, the remote working driving up prices outside the capital, um, and also the fact that people have a lot of savings now, which may in turn be adding to how much people are willing to pay for a home right now. Do you accept that all the factors, everything we're seeing now, is not down to government inaction? Well, first of all, uh, house prices have been rising steadily since 2014. So while issues, for example, of Brexit or COVID or other factors have added additional problems, the core structural problems have been built into the system since then. And the difficulty is a lot of things government are doing are making it worse. And some of the things they're not doing is making it worse. So very simply, uh, government, for example, has not been investing over the last five to six years in the direct delivery of the one thing they can control, genuinely affordable homes. We had five years of confidence and supply with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Not a single affordable home to buy was delivered through any central government scheme. This year, the target for affordable purchase homes is only about 400. On top of that, you've got the additional problem that we have tens of thousands of planning permissions approved. We've had them in the system for several years. And despite both the current minister and the previous minister saying they would look at, for example, use it or lose it planning permissions to get builders and developers building the stock they have, that hasn't happened. And we know there are builders and developers out there sitting on vacant sites. And the biggest problem, we've just come from a vote in the Dáil on this, is that the government has decided to facilitate through very, very generous tax breaks for institutional investors, the bulk buying of large developments by those funds. And that's just doing two things. It's taking a lot of potential supply out from people to purchase, but crucially, it's pushing up the price of rents enormously. Okay. So the government isn't taking this problem seriously, and they can talk about all the figures they want out to 2030. It's this year, next year, and the year after, and unless they radically change approach, invest heavily in the delivery of tens of thousands of affordable homes, clip the wings of the cuckoo funds and give singles and working people, whether okay. they're first-time buyers or second-time buyers, a chance, this problem is going to get worse. Mary Fitzpatrick, let's talk about those affordable homes that Sinn Féin keep bringing up, that there's, that there's you know, 400 being built and it's simply not enough. The targets are too low for the number of people who need homes at an affordable price in this country. Yeah, look, Austin is absolutely correct. We are coming out of a decade of undersupply of housing and construction. And that's why the government has made a decision, made a decision last year once a government was formed to have a serious intervention in the housing market. 
20 billion After euros. After a decade, though. But, I mean, but, it's still Fianna Fáil, gold. Hold on a second. It's a new government. It's a new yeah. government, Claire. Okay. Now, to be fair, and it's a new housing plan. Which, well, we, no, Claire, this is important for your listeners. Yes. This is important for your listeners. Because I'm dealing with people every day who are paying too high rents, who do want to buy their own home and are being priced out of the market. That's why 20 billion has been committed, 20 billion euros has been committed to deliver 300,000 homes. That's 4 billion this year and another 4 billion for the next four years. That's 20 billion over the next four years. It's backed up as well by the local authorities building homes and affordable homes that will actually... Are there enough affordable homes? Do, do you sure, accept Sinn Féin's uh, criticism th- on that, that there aren't enough and the target is too low no, in the I, area I, of affordable I don't, housing? I, I don't accept Sinn Féin's criticisms because their criticisms and their plans don't stack up. They say that we should be investing more in, in delivering housing. We're spending 20 billion, we're investing 20 billion. Sinn Féin proposed spending 2.8 billion. They're suggesting we should make housing more affordable. We're using state-owned land to make housing more affordable and they voted against that. They're suggesting that we should help renters who are paying too high rent. We're, we're already uh, spending 900 million a year to support renters because we recognise that renters are paying unaffordable rents. But on top of that, we're giving a bridge to home ownership through having the local authorities build homes, affordable homes, starting at 160,000. That, they're real and I, homes that are being built. Sinn Féin are objecting to these homes being built. They have objected in my own constituency, you know, Devaney Gardens, oh, right across and Dublin. I do, and I just, you know, and this <laughs> is constantly brought up. So can we, what, what is your response on that about the objections to homes when we are a country that badly needs homes? Well, first of all, we're, we're not objecting to homes and we've never objected to homes in well, O'Devany Garden. The, the, the they, very objected, specific, they objected the very, to a thousand very, homes in O'Devany Gardens. The very specific, it is. I was sorry, the the very, I just want to let Ona Brain answer the question there. The very specific there, problem in O'Devany Gardens is the model that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have used for the delivery of homes there will see the full price of the so-called affordables come in at 350 to 400,000 euros. Incorrect. Because, it, because instead of giving Dublin City Council the money to directly deliver those units. They've entered into this sweetheart deal with the developer. And here's the prices. Dara O'Brien announced two weeks ago after Cabinet that the purchase price of the so-called affordables in O'Devany Gardens will be between 250 and 310,000. But the people who buy those houses will also have to pay an additional 97,000 euros in a hidden shared equity charge. What we voted against was transferring public land for virtually no cost to a private developer because 400,000 isn't an affordable home. They voted against against 1,000 homes in my constituency. That is why why the approach of this government is making it worse because they're pushing up house prices all the time. And and it wasn't just 1,000 homes. I want to get the view on the ground from people who are actually trying to buy homes at the moment. Let's bring Kieran McQueen in here. You've got a crazy house prices account that you set up on Instagram just to to gauge from people, I suppose, to talk about your own experience as a home buyer and then to see what other people are finding out there in terms of, of prices. What are people telling you? And tell us the lengths that people are going to now in order to try to secure themselves a home for the very first time. Uh, yeah, I suppose I've become a bit of an agony uncle for uh, my generation of people that are really struggling to buy a home. and. Uh, we uh, there's just massive frustration, massive anger. I put a thing up on my Instagram earlier asking people to summarise how they feel about uh, the housing crisis or house prices in one word. And the four most common words were angry, depressed, defeated, and um, and uh, ho- hopeless. So it's like we see you see with with uh, politicians in in the doll every week, and they're slinging mud at each other and talking over each other and, and nothing's actually getting done and I'm seeing 
thousands of conversations a week in my inbox of people that are just completely desperate and are just just so so angry and again just feeling so defeated that they will never own their own home especially like I'm uh, like I'm married and my wife Melissa and we've managed to get our own home but for single people in Ireland it is impossible they need to be earning in the top four percent uh, to be able to afford a home in Ireland. It's it's literally impossible for them because there are no apartments for sale. And Kieran, tell us what people are doing. They're they're actually sending letters to, to people who are selling their homes and they're saying, look, please choose us. Let us buy your home because we're desperate. Isn't that right? Well, that's it. It's just desperation. It's something that I, I kind of spoke about a while ago and it, it fairly took off and... People are putting, if, if the house is with an estate agent, they're maybe just sending a few lines of an email just saying, look, I'm really desperate to get a home. We love your home. And it does it does work quite often. But I, I kind of, I don't want to dwell. I don't want to dwell on that side of things. I think it's important when we talk about CSO, CSO statistics and numbers and figures, we often forget about the, the human impact on this. And it is not normal for people in their late 20s, in their 30s and in their 40s to be living at home in their parents' box room. That's, that's not normal. It's not a functioning society. It, it leads to so many sociological issues, so many mental health issues. And it's, it's insane. And nothing is being done about it. OK. All right. Listen, I want to um, just... just bring the panel in here on this again. You know, this is a generational issue. Like from what Kieran is saying, it's that sense of hopelessness, that sense that no matter what you're earning, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're saving and how much you're putting together, mm. you're you're getting nowhere at the moment yeah. and nothing is happening. And it right now for people. Nothing is helping I, I, them right I, now. Well, I don't accept that nothing is happening right now, but I absolutely identify with what he's saying. I remember well, being... Well, we have the, the, no, the no, price Claire, rises that we're I, talking about of 14.4%. Claire, if I can tell you what's happening... That's I, what I, it feels I, like for, for I, many people. I, re I remember I was in his shoes. I was pregnant. We were trying to buy a house. I, I put letters indoors. I know what he's talking about. And I've been dealing with constituents and people in my own community every day who are in, in a rental trap, who want to own their own home. So that's why we made the changes to the local authority affordable home mortgage. Single people, like Kieran has mentioned, earning up to 65,000 can borrow up to 320,000 from the local authority. Now, we've made that change. We need to do more. That's what we're putting. We're spending 4 billion a year to build affordable homes, social homes, 90,000 social homes, 60,000 affordable homes. But on top of that, we're using the state-owned land to reduce the cost of housing. It's really important, Claire, right. because people are really desperate out there. Yeah, let's come back to that. And no, we... we, we completely get that desperation and Kieran is just speaking as one person he's speaking for tens of thousands of people right around the country in the same situation. Austin Hughes I want to come to you just on, on mortgages and actually you know what people are paying in this country we're paying far more the highest in the eurozone in fact when it comes to our mortgages um, as an economist for a bank how do you justify that? Well the reality is that we have higher capital costs in Ireland and that is the issue and we have a banking environment that is not very particularly attractive at the moment uh, to international banks and to international lenders. Uh, so the reality is that the mortgage costs reflect the, the cost of doing business in Ireland at the moment uh, and that will remain the case. I, I really want to emphasise though in terms of both the mortgage outlook and in terms of the broader outlook, while people, it is incredibly difficult at the moment to think about buying a house, but 
it should improve over time. It is not going to improve in oh. the next three months or six months. Why do you but believe we should it will see improve? two things happening. In terms of demand, some of the panic demand we're seeing now, some of the savings that were built up have dissipated, so people will be on a slightly more level playing field in the future. We will also see, probably at the end of this year, higher mortgage costs right across right, well, Europe. Well, let's talk about and that, in, because isn't that increasing the inaffordability gap for in people? In that respect, people will need to stand back rather than now maybe a rush in and I appreciate that people have been maybe looking for the last three or four years in some instances but there's also a sense people rushing in so I think there will be some pullback there and we will see an improvement in supply over the next okay, couple I, of years. You know just that that potential ECB proposal of, of um, a rate rise there how do you think that will play out on? Well it'll make the cost of, of putting a roof over your head for many people even more expensive and in some cases impossible. There are things government could and should be doing right now to tackle the core problem, which is bringing the cost of housing down, whether to rent or buy. The first is this year, the actual spend by government on affordable homes is 60 million. That should be 500 to 600 million. Instead of 400 affordable homes, government should be directly delivering uh, uh, through acquisition uh, and build about 4,000 annually. So first of all, we have to deliver that quantum of affordable homes to purchase. The second thing is they have to radically increase stamp duty on the institutional investors. We have to squeeze some of those investors out and replace that investment with buyers and with local authorities to purchase. And the third thing they absolutely have to do is start to realise that unless they start to get builders building and stop hoarding the land and the permissions they have, the supply won't come on fast I, enough. I think, I think if we just let the market to its own devices, supply won't come fast enough, prices won't come down, government needs right. to do more. And it's back to it's Mary. not so doing what Mary has claimed they're doing. Go government, government is using state-owned land to build houses, something Sinn Féin objected to. Let's talk, Increasing about the, supply. let's talk about the investor issue, because yeah. again, that's something that's been brought up time and time again. I'm going to ask Kieran about it as well, yeah. because I know that home buyers feel, look, we're being squeezed. I mean, it yeah. is a proportion of the market. They're coming in, they're paying over the odds. Absolutely. It means they're not getting yeah. their home. So government took direct action on that and has uh, put a tenfold tax, a stamp duty on investment, uh, bulk purchasing of homes and has given power to local authorities to actually... Now, it doesn't go to apartments. Like, there are, there are plenty Absolutely of exemptions clear. in I, that. And why not? I'll, I'll come to that in one moment. And it has also given the power to local authorities to reserve up to 50% of every new development for owner-occupiers. That's really important. But it's really hard to follow what Sinn Féin is actually saying on investors. Because only last week the Sinn Féin was saying that they were talking to investors and we need investors and we need uh, private investment to, to um, come into the market. Were you saying that last week? You, you said I, that I on say, primetime, Owen. I say the same thing every time I'm asked. We need investors to come in, buy land, build homes and sell them to families. What we do not need is the institutional investors who build nothing but who swoop in after developers in the private sector build and pay between 14 and 30% above the odds and yeah. deny homes to purchasers or local authorities. Okay, I want to ask you what, what we want Sh is the right, to stop the right kind of investment to, stop to, lo to, to lower family All right, I prices. want to bring Kieran in on that, the issue of investors. Um, are people saying to you, are they hearing um, anecdotally or, or otherwise that there are others or investors buying their homes, homes that could have been theirs only, that they're outpriced when it comes to, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's not a new phenomenon. Unfortunately, it's going on years. 50% um, of all new builds in Dublin in 2021 went to non-household buyers or non-owner occupiers and 30% of all existing stock. So that means normal people are, were bidding against 
uh, either bidding against council or bidding against investors. And it's it's just it's impossible. And it's gotten to a crisis. It's gotten past a crisis point. I think I get a lot of messages in from young, not like I say, younger people like you're talking late 20s and in their 30s. And people are just we're looking at 2011 all over again. And it's just going to be a massive amount of emigration, I feel. And Kieran, just on the issue of mortgages there, and Austin mentioned it, potentially the ECB uh, raising the, 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 key, the key lending rate. What impact would that have? What do homeowners generally feel about the mortgages they're being offered compared to the affordability that's out there in the market right now? Um, I would leave the, uh, the economics, I suppose, to the economists. Um, but I but suppose that sense of what they're, what they're getting when they go to the bank um, and, you know, you obviously have to lay everything bare and they see what you had for dinner last night and everything when they're deciding how much they give you. Is there a sense that it, it, it's very hard for people to get what they need in order to secure a home from the banks at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's beyond very hard. It's impossible for a lot of people. So a lot of people are relying on exemptions. But I do, I feel like the, the mortgage caps that we have in place are are saving us from ourselves almost. I think prices will be even worse mm. if they relax though. But what I would say to people at home who aren't, aren't currently looking for a home and maybe don't really understand how difficult it is, a very simple exercise to do would be to multiply your salary that you're currently on now by three and a half and go online and see can you find a home that you would like to buy and like to live in. And uh, then it kind of when people do that, I think it, they really get a, a good idea as to really how, how hard it is at the moment. Um, yeah, Austin, just on that, that's an interesting one as well about, you know, Kieran not necessarily thinking that, um, you know, making lending rules easier will, will resolve an issue here. Um, would, would you agree with that, I think? Yeah, no, in the face of limited supply, just giving people more money to bid against each other for a limited number of properties isn't going to help Does anyone. Does shared equity play into that then at all in terms of the government, you know, helping homeowners to buy a home? At the margin, it does. The reality, though, is we do need much increase, much increased supply over the next four or five years. We've had decades. Remember, there's a sense in which policymakers were fighting the last war. Let's not have a housing crash, so let's not build too much. Economists were very bad in turn. Make sure you get the budget deficit under control, all these elements. The reality, housing has been a problem for, this Irish, for the Irish economy for the last couple of decades, and there have been mistakes on all sides in this regard. The critical thing now is to work in a coherent way about improving supply, and a difficulty for... When you say a coherent way, what do you mean? Well, there is a problem that we hear every day, people suggesting new initiatives change this, uh, alter that and there is that sense in which you know both people on the supply side and the demand side are uncertain about what's going to happen over the next while we do need to let it lie a little bit for the next okay. year and or that's two right, Claire, it, it, for all we will, will have an improvement in supply it is it is going to be very difficult for lots of people for the next year or two but there is no silver bullet to turn this around overnight okay. but there are lots of ways to make it much worse overnight all right i, I want to put that why. to ono brin no silver bullet sure. and we're hearing again about certainty. So if there's a plan in place to stick with that plan, it's not going to happen overnight. It will take time. It takes time to build houses, if but increase supply across the board and it'll help everyone. Two things. The problem is the policies that successive governments have used for the last number of years and this government 
are part of the problem. What most people don't realise is half of the purchase price of a home has nothing to do with the bricks and mortar. It's the cost of finance, it's the cost of land, it's developers' margins and tax. Government has to focus on bringing the cost down to deliver large volumes of good quality homes to buy at 230,000 euros or less. Is it possible to do that? Or rent. Yes. Yes, is it, it is. And, and housing and, for all will and, do that. Yes, yes That's it is. That's what we're going to do. But, but the vast majority of the so-called affordable homes that Mary's government are going to deliver will be 400,000 euros. They will not. They are starting we at 161. They went to, on the market at 161 we, last year, Owen, we, and you know that. We have and you to, know that. We have you know to, that, Owen. We have to and the average price will be 250,000. Be and that is an affordable price. Not Owen, you're deliberately distorting no, it. Because you know for not. a fact You know for a fact that Claire, housing please, for all is a real class. I'll let you finish the point on that, and then we'll get to that price tag of 161. Euro for a home. There's a very, very small number of the affordable homes being delivered by the government that will come on stream this year, for example, in Cork uh, and in parts of Dublin, that will come in at 160 to 230. But there's also another tranche of them, a larger portion, which in addition to paying 250 to 310, there is a hidden shared equity charge of 97,000 euros. The problem is that is not affordable and therefore right. what we should be delivering Can is thousands and thousands of homes and selling them at the cost of delivery, not burdening people with additional shared equity, additional What's debt. shared equity? Tell us about let's, that. Let's, and let's, really, let's, is that an extra burden on people absolutely. who simply but can't afford it, Mary? No, it's not because shared equity um, is there to help people own their own home. But the bottom line is... Back. Of course they do. With yes, it's, it's a mortgage and it's interest-free for the first five years and then it's a low fixed interest rate, less than 3% for the remaining 25 years. What, but let's just be clear about it. Shared equity is a very small portion of housing. But for you all. say it's no, being delivered at one price when actually no, the, Claire, the additional I'm, I'm bit actually, is alone the, on the that. The houses I was speaking about, the 161,000 euro homes that, that were built last year, are actually built. Shared equity is only going to be uh, open this uh, the end of next quarter. So shared equity actually hasn't come in to the and market what yet. Size and can I just say they? this? Oh, it's, it's really they're what? out in North County Dublin. But Claire, what's really important is and it's what are they family said, homes at that price? Yes, they are family homes. They go from one hundred and sixty-one thousand up okay. to two hundred and fifty thousand. But Claire, what's really important and Austin said this: what is needed is a plan that's sustained and sustainable. That's what housing for all is. Twenty billion euros over the next four years to deliver really affordable homes, both to purchase right. and rent, and social homes. We'll have to leave it there. That's all we have time for on this topic. My thanks to Kieran and to Austin. Mary and, will, and Owen will be staying with me coming up after the break. Are the salaries of our top civil servants creating a case of us versus them? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. The pay of top health officials came under fire at the Oireachtas Health Committee today as people before Profit TD Gino Kenny questioned the salaries of HSE Chief Paul Reid and Secretary General of the Department of Health Robert Watt. That equates to 18 uh, nurses' annual salary. Do you think you're worth that colossal amount of money per year? It's not a salary designed by me or for me. Uh, and of course, it's a very significant salary, and I take it, uh, my, take my roles and responsibilities very serious. Uh, Robert, do you want to come in? No. No, thanks, Chair. Okay. No, thanks, Chair. Well, can we justify the salaries of these civil servants in an era when many of the public are struggling with the cost of day to day living? To discuss this further, Mary Fitzpatrick, Fianna Fáil Senator, and Ono Brinch, Sinn Fein TD, are staying with me. And I'm also joined by lecturer from Maynooth University, Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan. And uh, Katrina, just on this one, um, uh, the pay packets of those top earners, Paul Reid and, and Robert Watt, really being called into question there by Gino uh, Kenny today. Um, what's your sense of it? Do you think? Paul Reid gave an adequate response? Um, I, I feel bad for Paul himself personally. So I wouldn't target him specifically, but I, I was today when I was talking about this, I was saying, in terms of the health service particularly, if this was the private sector and the house and it, the, a company was performing in the same way that the health service was, there's absolutely no way that the people leading it would be getting that type of salary. So I really think that it's extortionate that we're paying that much money for a system that's actually completely failing the public and not only that my issue with it is the parity like when I was looking at the numbers today I was looking trying to find the women actually within the system who are on the same amount of money and um, I was I was looking at Robert uh, Watt uh, he his there's a woman who's actually the head of education in the same bracket and she didn't she gets 81,000 less than him a year mm-hmm. even though she's on the same grade within the system and this was in the media last week. So I'm, I, it concerns me that it's, uh, it's dominated by males, these roles are particularly, but also concerns me that there's absolutely no chance for people like where I come from, working class people, people who are trying to struggle with their rent, they're, they're looking at this thinking, this is absolutely disgraceful. Mm-hmm. We can't even afford to buy gas and pay rents. Now, the government defence of that is, look, these are, you know, positions that are you know, managing an awful lot of people in a very high-pressure job with a really, you know, arguably it is a poison chalice, isn't it, Ona Bryn? Who'd want that job to head up the HSE? Who'd want the uh, Department of Health Secretary-General job? Would you want it? Well, we were told the same thing when banking chief executives were getting paid astronomical sums, and then those people bankrupted the country. So this idea that, first of all, to get really, really good quality frontline public services, to manage large quality public services, requires astronomical salaries. That's not how it happens in other jurisdictions. And the real comparison would be to say, what is Paul Rees' counterpart or Robert Watt's counterpart getting paid in other European jurisdictions? Mm -hmm. 
But the other thing is, not only... Look at the NHS, for not, example. It's for example, 230-odd thousand, not, I think. Not only, and again, if you look at, for example, uh, consultants, they get paid and accept significantly less because they want to work in the public health system, etc. But there are two other problems. So, for example, we also see astronomical pay rises for small numbers of senior civil servants, Robert Wapping one. And yet when lower paid workers ask for modest pay increases to deal with the rising cost of inflation, we're told by the government that that would be inflationary. But for me, I think that the, the biggest no, challenge when here... Pay, when those pay rises happen, so we're going to see this incremental pay rise, which will bring, say, Robert Watt's salary, salary above €300,000. And again, it's not calling out like a, a person on their salary, yeah. but it's just saying for those very high earners, should they be getting that pay rise that's across the board for public sector workers? Here's the big challenge. If you were a parent whose child is at home suffering enormously from scoliosis because they can't get surgery, or you're one of the growing number of older people who's waiting for a cataract operation or knee or hip replacement, the growing number of people in inpatient and outpatient lists. The big question is, if we're paying these people the big money, why is the system in such chaos? So I think the pay is too high. I think some of the increases are wholly unjustifiable. But so also, should they get when, those incremental when, I don't, I don't believe they should, but also when they are not delivering on the uh, uh, plans that government and cross-party committees like Sláinte Care uh, mm -hmm. uh, have agreed, then they shouldn't remain in a job. And the evidence is okay. the growing waiting list for people who need essential surgery, uh, essential medical care, essential mental health uh, 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 services... The folks at the front line are doing a wonderful job. They're often some of the lowest paid. Yeah. But the people in senior management positions are not only not doing the job, they're stalling the reforms that years ago, on a cross-party basis, we agreed in the Oireachtas to implement. And the people who are tasked with that job have since resigned. Well, and, we know. and now it's Robert yeah. and, and Paul in charge. Uh, and I have to say, I, I'm not convinced that things are going to get any right, better. Right, it is that big question about just what is happening, Sláinte mm -hmm. Care. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a big story. It's complex and it could go on um, for the rest of the show and into another night as well, at least. But just on that issue of, of pay that's then being afforded yeah. to top civil servants and people in, in these jobs um, and, you know, the fact that it was put there by Gino Kenny today, you know, mm -hmm. 18 nurses, that'll pay for 18 nurses. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, you know, watching on, they'll say cost of living, you know, we are pinned to the collar at the moment and then we see these guys getting big money yep. and a health service arguably in disarray. Yeah, I, 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 they're, they're eye-watering figures for, for most people. Um, the, the salaries being paid for, for, for those positions and like for me, for, for everybody watching, I, I think they are huge amounts of money. That's do people argue against them though within government? Well, I mean, yeah, like, well, is my, there, or do people stand up and say, actually, do you know what? That 411,777 yeah. euro last year's salary for Paul Reid, that's just... Far too much for that job. So, so I don't have the privilege of being in government, so I can't tell you what actually goes on in the cabinet. But what I would say is this: is, is that um, the appointment, the the Paul Reid appointment, the the HSE uh, appointment, that was made back in 2019 by the previous government. And my understanding is, is it was made following a failed public uh, recruitment um, where they had advertised the role at 300,000. Now, to me, that's an awful lot of money. But and what's it was, the and, argument and they, is nobody failed, wanted it. I, my understanding is, is that they failed at that, uh, at that salary range and that they re-advertised and then they re-recruited. But I think what's really important is, is that anybody being paid those types of salaries 
have to deliver. There has to be value for money. That's why people in those roles are brought in before Oireachtas committees. They're answerable but to the health committee. I have to ask you this, Mary. Like when we're talking about Robert Watt's mm -hmm. salary, for example, mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of the controversy around it was this €81,000 bonus that was agreed upon yeah. by government officials. Yeah. That that's the big issue there, that you get this big bonus before arguably you've delivered on anything yet when we still have those big waiting lists and everything else that's there. And, and if, the, if the job yeah. isn't taken yeah. at 300,000, you know, surely there's somebody who wants it at, at that. Maybe, I, I, you know, I, you know I, I surely there is. I'm, I'm sure if we put it out there in a poll, I'm sure you get people saying, fly, I, I, sending I'm, in my CV, you know. I, I'm sure, but we were looking for a CEO and a Secretary General for a 22 billion euro uh, budget. Uh, the, uh, the Secretary General is the accounting officer, accountable to the Oireachtas, accountable to the Minister. But the and reality really, is... Actually, just one important yes, point, and sorry, yeah. Katrina, but uh, Michael McGrath, the Minister, Minister for Public Expenditure, has put in place, has commenced a process a, of a reviewing. Review. Right. And, and that's yeah, but, but that's it's important, Claire. That is important. There's a new government. There's a new government. we take this seriously. We heard this all the time. There, the mistakes are made. The mistakes are made. It's when you said there, he was appointed in 2019 by the previous government. That's just copping out. The reality is we're in this situation now. He's being paid this amount of money. We've thousands of people on waiting lists. We've, we've people who are waiting to are lying in beds on trolleys in the health system and I'm not saying it's you personally but yeah. the reality is if that was me and I was in my job I would be un I'd be sacked I'd be actually took and given a warning and told that I wouldn't be allowed to, to work Katrina, in that position. Can I, can I ask you about TD salary basic salary of 100,000 to 191 euro do you think that's too much for the job? I, you know what I, 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 I don't know because the cost of living has changed so much I, you know I worry because I'm in the public sector and I'm like oh my god you know I, I'm in that incremental system but I'm at a point now where I can never go any further and I, and, I, and I know there's lots of women like me who get to a certain point they can't progress to them higher salaries and I just think it's not about the salaries it's about the fairness and the equality across right. society we shouldn't have people like Paul Reid on 400,000 while people cannot afford to pay their rent or get private health care which is what they're forced oh, to do. Ona Bryn you know I'm looking at you when I'm talking about TD salaries of 100,000 191 euro and that's before all the expenses on that point sure. the expenses and the issue that came up today um, around you know that you're claiming the most uh, in ineligible expenses in the last doll what do you have to say on that claiming 2700 euro um, in, in expenses that were deemed to be ineligible and that's according to a random audit yeah yeah and the, the audit is really important and i fully support it and the money has been fully repaid look i hold my hands up i made three errors in uh, office expense claims it came to about two and a half thousand euros during the audit that was identified and i've repaid it and how does that happen so for example one of the the, the bills was I, I had phone bills in 2018 i didn't pay them at the end of 2018 they rolled over into 2019 I didn't realise I wasn't allowed to use 2019's expenses to pay both sets of phone bills. But what I will say, now look, that's my fault and I shouldn't have done it and I've repaid it. We've argued, however, for a long time that all TD's expenses should be fully vouched at the point of receiving them, which would make sure that people like me don't make those kinds of mistakes. Mm. But on the pay, I have to say, not only are TDs and senators paid too much, but since I've been a TD in 2016, the gross salary increase that I've received is almost 10,000 euros. Now I've gifted all of that back to the Exchequer, but I shouldn't have got an extra 10,000 euros. 
and on Robert Watt, let me say this. Robert Watt went from one of the biggest government departments with some of the most significant expenditure and accounting uh, uh, officer responsibilities to another uh, uh, head role in the uh, public service. He should not have got any increase yeah. because the responsibilities he had in both are equally as onerous. Okay. And that was signed off not by the last government, but by this government and a Fianna Fáil Minister for Public Expenditure. That is would you wholly uh, unjustified. Would you... Would you slash those salaries and then hope to get people. I mean, if we are hearing that you, you, we, there's, a, there's, there's difficulty in recruiting people for those top jobs. And like we saw that would say, trying to get a cyber chief and trying sure. to get people in place for these jobs that you, you have to pay money what, to get them. What, what would you say, we've slash, been over the slash last those salaries and try and recruit anyway? In the first instance, the increases that have been awarded should not have happened. And where people are on large salaries, they have to be performance-based. And if they are not delivering tangibly on the ground, those people should not get to keep their jobs. Would you agree with that, Mary? Briefly, just to get you in on that before this. Uh, every, everybody has to be accountable, absolutely. And, and they are accountable. But, but employees have rights as well. And uh, can I just say this? I, I think it is really important that every public servant is fully accountable. And I don't think it's... It, I think it's a bit disingenuous, actually, for anybody from Sinn Féin to talk about the, the salaries when Sinn Féin uh, politicians receive a payment directly. And oh, you, you've told us this yourself. You were on the Sinn Féin payroll for 26 years. So, I wasn't you know, on the Sinn Féin payroll. I'm sorry, it's mate, this is not true. You said this, you said I, this at the Joint Oireachtas Committee that, when we did I, the electoral reform review. I, I, you, you absolutely said you'd be an employee for Sinn Féin I was an for 26 years. I was an Oireachtas employee. I was an Oireachtas employee before. It's on the record of the House. What a distraction. It's on the record of the House. The reality of this situation is these arguments are actually not answering the problem. The truth is, yeah. it, just hearing that you had to account for €2,000, that's great. Why is Paul Reid not actually, and Robert, what, why are they not accounting right. for the state of the health service? They are. We'll but they with are. their finances, they're not. We're going we'll to have, have to leave it there. We will have to leave it there. My thanks to Mary, to Owen and to Katrina coming up after the break. The first to name storms of 2022 begin to hit Irish shores. Stay with us. Welcome back. As the effect of back-to-back -back storms are beginning to be felt nationwide, we cross to meteorologist Jerry Murphy, who's in Met Erin, for an update on what is to come. And Jerry, right now, people are really feeling the impact of Storm Dudley. What can you tell us about its current status? Hi, Claire. Well, Storm Dudley is really coming to its end at this stage. The winds are still fairly strong in some parts of the country, but as we go through the next few hours, those winds will tend to ease. It was fairly brisk across much of the country today. We had a maximum gust of uh, about 106 kilometres per hour in parts of uh, Donegal and in parts of Galway. So not insignificant by any means, but a yellow level uh, wind event and it's clearing at the moment and we'll continue to do so over the
over the next couple of hours. Okay, so tell us then about Storm Eunice that's coming our way. It poses more of a threat, doesn't it, Jerry? Yes, indeed. Storm Eunice will be a more impactful uh, storm. Now, it's going to, the storm depression is going to move towards Ireland uh, tomorrow and then during, from around midnight tomorrow night to about 12. From midnight to noon on Friday, we'll see the effects of um, storm Eunice across the country, possibly a little bit into the afternoon. The storm depression itself is going to move affect the southwest of the country at first, then move over parts of um, Munster and Leinster and then clear into the Irish Sea and it's going to have a very big impact on Great Britain as well. In terms of ourselves, the most significant features of it will be very strong winds, which will be predominantly over the southern half of the country, especially western and southern counties. And we have orange level wind warnings in operation for Galway, Clare, Limerick, Kerry, Cork, Waterford and Wexford and those uh, will be reviewed tomorrow morning and maybe extended to um, other areas in the south possibly increased in, in magnitude as well. So we ask people to keep very well tuned into the forecast over the next 24 hours. Now, the other aspect of um, Storm Eunice will be affected over the northern half of the country because as it moves up over us, we will see falls of sleet and snow. And these will be mainly over the northern half of the country with the greatest threat of significant snowfall in parts of Connacht and Ulster. And so between the very strong winds um, and the risk of sleet and snow. Really, Friday will be a, quite a disruptive day and a day for everyone, no matter what part of the country you're in, to take great care and take only necessary journeys um, because it is going to be a very raw day indeed. That's Jerry Murphy speaking to us about uh, the weather and thank you for that update, Jerry. In studio now to discuss how climate change may play into these weather events is Lauren Bolan, climate climate reporter with the journal.ie and Lauren you're very welcome along to the program just when people hear about storms like it's winter time so it is not unusual to have storms so how do you attribute specific weather events to climate change because increasingly we are becoming more aware that these weather events are linked to climate change. That's right so when we're thinking about storms there's there's particular ways that the temperature in our atmosphere can affect the intensity of those and affect the, the likelihood of those happening, making them more frequent. So to put it in kind of simple terms, the way it works is with global warming and with temperatures rising, when the atmosphere is warmer, it can hold more moisture. So then when we have these storms, there's, there's heavier rainfall and it's more intense rainfall. That's kind of putting it in very simple terms. But what it means is that you, the, the effects are more dire, say they're more dramatic when it comes to things like flooding. That's true in Ireland, it's true in other places as well. If you think back to, people might remember last summer in Western Europe, there was really dramatic flooding and storms in Western Europe, in Germany and in Belgium, um, that led to loss of life. I think around 200 people died due to the effects of those storms. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the kind of effect that climate change can have in through these storms. It's not as simple as being kind of just weather that's characteristic of winter. Now, sometimes it is not every major weather event can be attributed to climate change. Yeah, this is what I was going to ask. So say you get an isolated patch of a really good spell, say in October or November, that's not necessarily attributed to climate change, is it? But it's the, it's the build-up. So it's say for the last number of years, we have seen increasingly 
warmer, wetter winters that then you look at the overall trends. Is that how it works? Lauren? That's exactly it. So say occasionally you would have those patches of weather where they might be a little unseasonably warm in winter. Say for instance, in the winter just gone, people remember we had this kind of a patch where it was quite warm. And actually that was due to a, a warmer air mass that had come up from the south. So that wasn't due to climate change. Um, but when you look at those overall patterns, mm. you can see how particularly extreme weather events like heat waves or flooding or kind of snow, how those can be attributed to climate change. It's actually something that scientists were quite hesitant to pin down and in, in previous decades because the science wasn't quite there yet to say definitively with kind of 100% confidence, okay, this is due to climate change. But we have a new field of science now or an emerging field called attribution science where scientists will run models to look at what a world without climate change would have looked like. So if we had never burnt any fossil fuels or if there were no you know, human-caused greenhouse gas emissions, okay. would a particular event have been as likely to happen? Right, and on this, this sort of all feeds into then how people can protect themselves and what governments can do to protect people against the likelihood of these storms if, if climate science will dictate that we're likely to see more of this. Um, so how, how can it impact and how can people better plan following climate science rather than regular, you know, meteorological reports by the week. Absolutely. So there's kind of longer term things we can do. It's an area that's called adaptation, which is around what do we, what does the government need to do to protect people, to protect our environment from those risks of climate change that we kind of, we're not able to stop. They're already happening or they're about to happen. Things like, if you look at the risk of flooding, things as simple, or not necessarily simple, but things as seemingly straightforward as building um, flood defences along rivers, or even in terms of planning, you know, not planning a development that's right next to a coast that might be vulnerable to coastal erosion or to sea level rise, looking at the longer term. Um, even things like, when you look at the agriculture sector, things like thinking about weather-resistant crops and whether we need to look at crops that are going to be able to withstand those more extreme weather events. Um, Is it also looking ahead to what you know, could happen? Because there would be areas that they go, yeah, look, this, we know these are prone to, you know, that there are flood defences needed in certain parts, planning and mm -hmm. otherwise getting in the way of that, but that, that, that there are areas that are, that are known vulnerable spots, but other areas we should look to now in this country as being vulnerable down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on a sectoral basis as well, even there's there's quite a, a gap to go with these kind of things to fill. There was a, a report last year from the Climate Change Advisory Council and they ranked how different kind of sectors are doing on these sort of things, how much progress they're making. Um, no, no area was given the highest ranking. No area was given advanced progress. Um, only two were ranked as good, which was around kind of, which actually was around flood defence. We're not doing too bad on mm. flood defences and, and water quality was the other one. But then there was two areas that were ranked as having no progress, which was health and communication networks. Okay, a body of work to be done there. Thank you for all of that, Lauren. Thanks for your insight there. That is it from us. My thanks to all our guests tonight. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning. But from all the late team here, good night. Do stay safe out there. Take care. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.